0: Okay, Romans chapter 5 tonight, Romans chapter 5, and we're going to keep on going in our Romans series. We really kicked it back off last Wednesday night, but uh, we're just going to keep on going. That's kind of a part two tonight. Really just the first two verses is what we're going to look at this evening together. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, and we started this last week. We're going to finish it. Uh, tonight. All right. Romans 5 verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Let's read it. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now I'm here to tell you, in those two verses right there, there is a library of doctrine, and so it's just loaded. And so, really, even two messages aren't enough to really uh, to really bring out everything that's in here. But we're gonna kind of just glaze over the surface, continue glazing over the surface of these two verses right here. And I want you to underline. Uh, in your heart, in your mind, in your Bible, that's fine. There's a phrase, it's in verse 1, and it's in verse number 2, and it's the phrase, we have. Do you see that in verse 1? Therefore, being justified by faith, it says, we have. And I want you to underline that. It's again in verse number 2, by whom also, here it is, we have. Okay. And so I've entitled the message, last week was part 1, tonight part 2, just simply this, what we have what we have we have some things in the lord jesus christ and through the lord jesus christ this text that we just read is about what we have because of our justification because of our Position. Remember, justification means to be made right with God. To be declared righteous is really what it means. To be declared righteous, to be declared holy. God is making us right with Himself, which means we were not. And then He made us right with Himself on the basis of what? The cross, the blood, Calvary, Jesus, His sacrifice. And He can look at a sinner and declare them righteous as long as that sinner will... His faith, his or her faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what it says, verse 1. Therefore, being justified. How? By faith we have, and then we have three things. And I want you to see that tonight. We looked at the first one last week, and we're going to cover the last two uh, tonight. We have three things. Go ahead and circle them. Go ahead and underline them uh, in your Bible. Verse 1, we have, first of all, right off the bat, what does it say? We have what? Peace. We got peace. That's what we talked about last week, and I may make another uh, comment or two about that. But we have peace, and then drop down into verse number two. It says, "By whom?" Which is Jesus. Also, we have what? Access. Access. So we have peace. We have access, and then thirdly, we have. It says, "And this access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in what? Hope." Uh, of the glory of God. So there's three things. We have peace with God. We have access into grace. And we have hope of glory. And it's all right there in the text. And so let's look at that together tonight. Now, before I jump into these things, I do want to just say one more word. I'm not going to do a lot of review because I did a little bit more of that last week. But I do want to make sure we're, we're all on the same page and we're all in context here. Do you remember what Paul is writing about? He's writing about the gospel, right? He's writing about justification by faith, how a man can be made right with God, right in the sight of God. And before he can give us the good news, the good news is, is that we can. And the good news is, is that we can through the Lord Jesus Christ and by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But before He can give us the good news, we got to get the bad news, right? And so, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three—it's all about bad news. Chapter—I'm thankful we're out of chapter three. Just to be honest about one, two, three—it was just gloom every Wednesday night, wasn't it? Talking about about idolatry and sodomy and all these things that, and we're all under wickedness and we're all guilty before God. I don't like to think about that, but the truth is is that you never would have been saved unless you realized that fact first, right? Because the good news isn't good news unless the bad news is presented. Unless we, unless we have some bad news, we've got to understand that we're all guilty before God. We're all guilty in the sight of God. You can't just go up, you know, walk up to somebody and just all willy-nilly and just be like, hey, you need to trust Jesus or you're going to go to hell, you know. Um, on what basis? Well, that doesn't mean anything to them. They have to be brought under the condemnation of their sin. And that's not us condemning it. It's telling us what the law said, right? People think they're going to heaven because they're a good person, but really when you nail them down and talk to them about it, they're not a good person. They'll even admit to you they're not a good person, but that's not their default setting. Everybody's default setting is, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm okay. I'm going to heaven probably, hopefully, because I've done enough good things and I'm not a, an axe murderer or, you know, or, or a bank robber or something like that. I'm a pretty good guy. But then when we start talking about the Ten Commandments, and how do we, just ten, just the Ten Commandments, how do we measure up to those things? We all fall short of God's glory, right? And that's where, Paul, that's where Paul's bringing us. We've got to come guilty all the world. Their mouths are stopped. There is nothing to say. There's no excuses to be made. There are no rationalizations to be brought forth. We're all sinners, period. But the good news is, that Jesus took our place. The good news is, is that there is a gift of God that can be received and it is eternal life. Right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there is good news, but the good news is only good news if we get the bad news. So he exposes all sinners as guilty before God and then... He explains in those opening chapters that our justification cannot be found in keeping the law or observing some kind of religious right. You're not going to heaven just because you're a Jew. You're not going to heaven just because you're circumcised. You're not going to heaven just because you think you're a good person, you do good deeds and all those things. And he exposes all those things. I'm not going to go back through them. But he pretty much, we're all, we're all without excuse. We're all without excuse. Even you say, what about the innocent guy over in Africa somewhere? There's no innocent guy over in Africa somewhere, okay? We're all guilty before God. That person does not exist. There's none good. No, not one. Right. That's what he says. How do we get this justification? It's by faith, and that's why chapter four comes in here. How about Abraham? Abraham's the father of faith. But how did he? How was he justified in the sight of God? By faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. What about David? David believed God, and so if, if Abraham had to do it and David had to do it, guess what? You got to do it all right, we all have to believe God for righteousness, and that's why when we get to verse number one of chapter number five it starts with a therefore." Paul has concluded we're all under sin and he has concluded that salvation and justification in the sight of God is only wrought and only brought about by faith, therefore being justified by faith that is that is a doctrine that has been settled, the case is closed. you must be saved and it's only by faith and Therefore, being justified by faith. Now, here's what we have. Here's what it brings. Here's what it results in. And he moves forward with these things that we have. Number one, what do we have? We have peace with God, right? Number one is peace with God. And that's what we examined last week. We talked about this peace with God. It just simply means this. If, and I'm going to sum up that one point with this statement right here. And we just summed it up like this. What does peace mean? It means the war is over means the war is over. I mean, that's good news. The war is over. Most people don't even know there's a war going on. There is war. You ask the guy on the street, hey, you know, there's a war between you and God. He and says, well, I ain't got nothing against God. I don't have anything against God. Well, it's not what you have against God. It's what God has against you. It's not you declaring war on God. It's God has declared war on you because you have rebelled against Him and you are a sinner. He is large. He is in charge. He is king. He created this world and you are not abiding by His commandments. You are a sinner. You are a lawbreaker and so He's at war with you and He will judge you. If you want to know what God's going to do to his enemies. Read Revelation 19. Jesus is coming back on a white horse, out of his mouth, proceeding the sharp two-edged sword. the word of God. He's going to mow down his enemy. Listen, you don't want to be an enemy of God. But the good news is, once we realize, man, I'm a sinner. God is at war with me. The greatest threat to my life and my eternal soul. It's not the devil. It's God. God is the greatest threat to me. And you realize he's against me. But there's a way to have peace. And it's not me making peace with God. It's that God sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus, God the Son, made peace with God the Father, and we get in on this thing by faith. You can't make peace with God, but God made peace with Himself through the cross. Man, that's why Calvary so wonderful, because God's holiness was upheld, and God's mercy was upheld, and peace and righteousness, the psalmist said. They've... Kissed each other right there where did that kiss take place took place at Calvary is where it took place at and that's where righteousness and peace kissed each other thank God for it. We were in enmity with God but now we are at peace and the cross has secured that. So what do we have by being saved? Now, don't get too excited about it all right I know y'all y'all, y'all doped up on night here tonight but listen we got peace the war is over. thank God listen you're not going to hell amen. You never, you'll never experience the judgment of God. We've not been appointed under wrath, but to obtain salvation. Man, thank God. All right. Y'all sober up and say amen. <laughs> I'm halfway kidding. All right, number two. So the, the, we got peace with God. Number two, access into grace. That's what he says, right? Access into grace. So now this new reality of being saved. Man, this is great. What we have uh, uh, being saved. Now listen, if you're in here and you're not saved, you don't have these things. You don't have peace with God. The war is still raging. You are in enmity with God. And you don't have access into this grace that he is talking about here in verse number 2. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Now this new reality of being saved, it becomes more and more amazing the more we learn what we have. Now listen, you didn't know all, when you got saved, you didn't know all this stuff, did you? Yeah, I didn't know all this stuff. Listen, I was nine years old when I got saved. I was nine years old. I didn't I, peace with God. I, I mean, didn't really. I didn't understand all the ramifications of that. I didn't understand about the the judgment of everything about the judgment of God. I believed in hell. I didn't believe I didn't know everything about that. God is at war with me, and all these things because I'm a sinner. I realized I was a sinner, but I didn't understand all the ramifications of this peace with God. I didn't understand every access into grace. I, if you would asked me when I was nine years old, you know, when I got up from. From the altar, if you had asked me, I said Chris, do you realize now that you have access into this grace wherein you now stand? I would just say, sure, yeah, sounds great. I'm just glad. All I know is I was going to hell, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus. That's all I knew at the time. But isn't it great being saved and then going back and learning about everything you got when you got in? See, you didn't get peace with God; didn't come later. You didn't trust Jesus, and then peace with God came later. That's not, No, it was immediate. You didn't get saved and then access into this grace come later. No, it was immediate, you had it, but you just didn't know you had it. just didn't know you had it all. Man, it's great to go back and study and look back what all you got when you got in. Hey, Amen, you got a lot. You got a lot when you got in. You got access with God. Not only is there this peace with God, but now there is this access to God. Access. Man, access is great. You know what that means? That means you've been invited. That means somebody has brought you in. That's literally what that means. It means to be brought in and introduced. Man, who did the bringing in? It's Jesus he introduced us to God the Father. It was God, it was Jesus that grabbed a hold of us and grabbed a hold of God and introduced us. He, he was the, our reconciliation. He was, He's our mediator, right? Between, there's only one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. He brought us together and now we're all together and we have access to God. We've been introduced. We have access to God, and we have access not only to God, but the Bible here, our scripture tells us tonight, we have access into this grace. Mmm, man, that's good. Hey, go over to Ephesians 2 just for a second. Let's read a little bit over there. Uh, yeah, Ephesians 2. Look over real quick. I want you to put your eyeballs on some verses if, if you can. Uh, we, we, we love Ephesians 2, man. It's, it's awesome. Verses 1 through 10, all about uh, where we were before we got saved. And then verse 4, the little hinge in those verses, but God who is rich in mercy. And what he did, he quickened us together. Man, and all that, by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves as the gift of God. That's good. All right, all that's really great. I want to get start, start in verse number 11. Let's, let's start in verse number 11. Read with me here and look what, look what Paul said here. And see if you can find what are our three words tonight? Our three words are uh, peace, our three words, and then our next word is access, and then our third word is what? Hope. Yeah, peace, access, hope. All right, see if you can find all three. All right, we're going to do a little scavenger hunt. See if you can find them. All right, you ready? And uh, I already cheated. I got them underlined. All right, verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called in circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the... That time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no what? Hope. hope. No hope. That's where we were before we got saved. That's our status before we got saved. No hope. And without God in the world. And I love this. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes work far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he, Jesus, is our what? Peace. He is our Peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making, what? Peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that are nigh. For through him we both have, what? Access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. And that is amazing right there. We're no longer foreigners, but we are what? We are fellow citizens with the saints of God. And it gets better now. See, we started out foreigners, right? Aliens. We We were way over here. We were outside. But then when we got saved, guess what? We become citizens. All right? Those words ought to be real familiar to you. They're in the news all the time, right? Aliens and foreigners and immigrants and all that kind of stuff. And you become a citizen. That means I'm in the country. I'm a part of the nation. Here I am. But then that verse gets even better than that, don't it? Verse number uh, number, uh, 19. We're fellow citizens with the saints and of the what? Household of God. That's better than being in the country. That means we're in the family. Put, no, so let me let me tell you just what happened. Talk about this access that we got to God. We were way over here, and then he saved us, and guess what? We got to be closer to him. In fact, we're not just in the country that he lives in, that he's, a, that he's the, the ruler of, but now we are a part of the royal family itself. We got a seat at the table. Let me tell you what just happened when you got saved. Listen, when you got saved, God took you, his enemy, and made him his enemy, his family. Isn't that amazing? You've been adopted into the family of God and now you have access. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, You're a citizen of America, but that doesn't mean you have access to the President of the United States. And nobody here has access to the President of the United States, I promise you that. And whether you want it or not, all right. nobody's got it at all. But let me tell you what, who does have access to the President of the United States? Uh, Whoever's controlling them and all that. But his family has access to the president, right? They are his family. They're his household. They can see him whenever. he wants. Somebody said the only person that would wake up a king at 2 o'clock in the middle of the night wanting a cup of water is his son, right? His child. He doesn't mind. That's his daddy. You just walk in and ask what you want because there is access that is there. God took his enemies and made them family. And you don't get no better access than being family, in chapter 3, verse 12 of Ephesians, he uses that same thought again, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So we have, back to Romans chapter 5, we have, Romans chapter 5, we have access. How do we have this access? It's by faith, right? It's what he says. It's by faith. It's not works. It's by faith. It's, it comes along with their justification. There's no special access. Listen, there's nobody, there's nobody in here that has any more access to God than anybody else has. It is on the basis of faith alone, not works. You say, well, so-and-so, they pray 12 hours a day and all that. Listen, you you got just as much access to God as anybody. Oh, they've been saved 79 years. It doesn't matter how long they've been saved. You got access to God just as much as anybody because it is not a merit-based system. This access, God doesn't give access to Him based on who's been saved the longest or who's been to church the most times or sing a special or whatever. God gives access based on what? Faith. Just believe. And you have access to him. And then he says you have access into this grace. Romans 5.2. two. Roman, Romans 5.2. We have access into this grace. You know what grace is? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's being in the gr- good grace is being in the favor of God, but not having earned it. It is something that is given to us. Grace is God, listen to this. Grace is God giving you something that you do not deserve. You don't deserve it. In fact, that's really the whole, the whole idea here in chapter four as well. We're not going to rehash all that, but the idea was Abraham didn't earn his standing with God. It was by grace, not a debt. God's not a debtor to anybody. God doesn't owe us anything, but God gives us, He is gracious. And He gives this favor. It is unmerited. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. But He gives it to us. And notice this. This is so good. This is our standing before God. Our standing before God is grace. And that's what He says in verse 2, right? We have access into this grace wherein we stand. It is the good grace of God that allows us to be in His presence. We are there solely based on the good grace of God. And listen, here's the good news. If you didn't do anything to earn it, that means you can't do anything to lose it because you're not there based on anything that you've ever done or anything that you ever would do. You are simply in the presence of God tonight and you have access to the Father by faith simply because of the good grace of God. And that's security right there, isn't it? We ain't got to worry about it. You know there's some people, some people you, uh, you're always worrying and wondering where you stand with them. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Are they mad at me? Do they still like me? Uh, you know what, what's going on, man? They hadn't talked to me or said anything, and you're, always, you're constantly worried about where you, where you stand in relation, in relation to them. Uh, man, it's fun being a pastor. y'all should try it sometime. I mean, it's great. People get mad at you and they just forget to tell you about it sometimes. And you find out about it later, you know. And uh, people get upset with you. You don't even know. I mean, you had no ideas. I mean, you might have said from the pulpit or whatever. And, yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, it used to be friendly. And now it's, whew, you know. And, uh, and you just, you just never, sometimes you just never know where you stand. Listen, I'm here to tell you. I got some great news for you. People are like that. People are fickle. All right? I'm not like that, but other people are like that. You're not like that. We're talking about people that aren't even here tonight. But that's how humanity is. Listen to me. Listen to me. God's never like that. Listen, once you're in, you're in. You never, ever, ever have. To worry about where you stand with God ever again. You have grace that you are standing in. Man, I tell you what, thank God. I used to sing a song about the field of grace. Amen. Aren't you glad that we're living in that field of grace and God picked you up and He put you in it and now you're not there because of anything you've done and He ain't going to kick you out because of anything you do. You are simply there, not because you're good, but you're simply there because God's good and He loves you and He saved you and He put you There and now you got access to Him anytime. Come boldly into the throne room of what? Grace and find what? Grace to help in a time of need. It's all His throne room is a throne room of grace. It's all grace. Amen. Thank God for it. Thank God for His grace. And it's that grace, that grace that we're standing in, and that grace that gives us standing in the presence of God that is accessible to us because that's really what the verse says. It says, it doesn't say that necessarily we have access to God, though we do as a priest the believer. It says we have access to what? Grace. We have access to the grace that we're standing, the very grace that causes us to stand in the presence of God. That is the grace that you can get a hold of. Man, that's so good right there. You have access to that. You have access to that. Wouldn't it be great? I may just preach this one point. We'll, we'll worry about hope later, all right? Uh, wouldn't it be great to have access to uh, Bill Gates' bank account? Wouldn't that be great? Let's, think, let's all think about that just for a second. All right, don't covet, but think about it just for a second. Don't be jealous or envious and all that good stuff. But think about oh, what it would be like to I mean, have access. I mean, Bill Gates just said, look, Here's my, and I'm sure he's got many accounts and all kind of stuff. I don't, you know, I'm thinking Bill Gates has like one, you know, he goes to BBNT and it just says, you know, he gets his little receipt and it says, you know, he's got $7 trillion at bb I'm sure he's got all kind of diversified funds and assets and all that stuff that I don't even really understand. But, uh, but what, if, what, if, what if he just gets it, look, here's a debit card. It's hooked to my account. Just, You're not going to buy anything that it will be declined for. Just get what you want. Use it as much as you want. Do whatever you want with it. Here it is. You have access. You're on the account. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, I'd probably be driving something different. I'd probably be living somewhere different. I might even be working somewhere different. (laughs) No, all right. Lord help me. All right. Being too honest here. Come on now. If you got that debit card, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here tonight. Come on now. Access. But i tell you what would be foolish is to have access to Bill Gates' bank account and you'll know, we'll probably just drive an old beater, live in an old shack somewhere, have a bunch of holes in your clothes. Of course, they buy them like that these days. I don't know if you knew that. More... Heather was Heather threw away a skirt the other day and had just a little b spot on it, but it had holes all over it. I mean, like a bunch of rips and tears all it. You buy it like that. I'm like, well, good gracious woman well, skirt ought to been thrown away a long time ago. It's got rips and tears all in it. But anyway, people buy stuff like that, right? Yeah, you, know, you, you wouldn't you would you'd you be living where you, you why would you live like a pauper? Why would you live like a beggar when I mean, you got access to all that you would ever need to to take care of whatever. You wouldn't ever worry about bills. You wouldn't ever worry about anything, uh, you know, that you could buy. Money brings its own set of heartaches with it. But, but think about that just for a second. Why would you live like that? Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Does, 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 does God, does He ever run out of grace? Does His grace account ever get low? That means God's got abundant grace. He said, oh, Preacher, you don't know how much sin I got in my life. Well, I know this. We're sin- and we're going to get to that in Romans 5. Where sin did abound, grace did much more. God's got grace greater than every sin you've ever committed. God's got more grace than, than you'll ever need in, in your lifetime. If you lived a million lifetimes, He's got more grace than you'd ever need for all your lifetime. But wh- why do we live without it so many times? Why do we live spiritually depleted? I love this definition of grace. I've given it to you before, but... Somebody said this, that grace is the God-given desire and power to perform the will of God in any given situation. It means, listen to this, there's grace. Listen to me and I'll, I'll be done. There is grace. There is enough grace to help you obey every command in this Bible. You believe that? Say amen. There is grace to perform every assignment that God gives you. There is grace to endure every trial that you'll ever go through. There is enough grace to move past every failure that you've ever had in your life. There is enough grace in God's account to get over every regret that you have in your life. There is enough grace in God's account to forgive every offense that has ever been made against you. We sing it. That's amazing to me in our red book here on page 57, we sing amazing grace. But on the other side of that is page 56. What is that? Grace for every need. Grace for you. Grace for me. Keep it true. Right. Keep it free. Precious saving grace. There's grace. Grace for every need that you'll ever have. Do we really believe it? God, Listen, when you got saved, you got something better than Bill Gates' debit card. When you got saved, God said, here is your grace card and you take this and you get what you have access to every bit of grace I have. You take all you need because you will never, ever, ever put a dent in God's grace. How many of you believe? That's what, that's what he told Paul. Old Paul said, God, i got to get this thorn. you got to get this thorn out of me, please. He prayed three times. And you know what God said? God said, you don't need that thorn gone. Here's what you need. Here's my, here's my debit card. Here's the grace card. He said, my grace is what? He said, it's sufficient. He said, write the check. What you need to get over it, you got to keep the thorn, but here's what you need to get past it and get through it and get over it and move on with it. Write the check. The funds are in the bank. They're there. It's sufficient. There'll never be... You'll never overdraw. You'll never be, never be a, uh, one of those NSF fees. You know what I'm talking about? You ever see that in your bank account? I had not seen one in a little while, but we used to see them all the time. Yikes. Man, back when we first got married, i did write checks. I didn't realize... I didn't, swipe, we were just swiping things and writing things. and I don't know. I just, it just didn't all come together. You know, they teach you stupid things in school. They ought to teach you better... You know, I'm glad I knew that, You know, the polynomials and all that, but I, didn't, I, I couldn't figure out deposits and withdrawals very well. But anyway, got some math teachers in here. That's for y'all. But you'll never find that in God's account. He's got more grace. He giveth more grace. Now what he said? He gives more grace. He said, preacher, you don't know what they did to me. He's got grace to get over. My flesh it's just so you don't know my, you know I get this temper from my daddy and I get this attitude from my mom and I get listen god's got grace He's got he'll, he'll give you grace to get over it you've got to use it. He'll give you grace to get past and get through and get over and get on with anything that you need. I'm just here to tell you, when you got saved, man, this wasn't just a get-out-of-hell-free card. When you got saved, it wasn't just, well, you know, I signed up, I got my fire, my fire insurance. No, when you got saved, God equipped you Amen. and gave you everything that you need. That's why, no excuses. There's grace. There's grace for that. There's grace for everything. And you have Access. That means it's available. It's for you. You got it. Go get it. How do you get by faith? It's by faith. We have access by what? By faith. Faith lays hold on the promises of God, and it lays hold on those things. So you have access to it. So listen. No excuses, right? We got to quit being the. You're not a victim. Listen, when you guys say you're not a victim anymore. Get over that. Listen, stop. Get out of the flow of this world. Everybody in this world's a victim about something. My mom and my daddy and my my neighborhood and I grew up on the wrong side. Okay, listen, we all got things to complain about. Understand it, but there's grace. You are a victor. There is victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. His grace. He's made us more than conquerors. Man, that's in Romans too, ain't it? There's a a lot of good stuff through him that loved us. Anyway, I'm just trying to to tell you what, what do you got? What do you have because, because you're saved? Number one, there's peace with God. That's great. Number two, there's access into this grace that you got. And then number three, the hope of glory. We might spend a little time on that later. That's pretty good, though. It's pretty good to be saved, ain't it? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we love you.